Find your soulmate. Did you hear something? No. Hmm. Did I? I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Simpsons time. So last week, I did some talking and some thinking about Homer the Heretic, which is a really important episode in the canon, I think. Uh, and it got me to thinking about other episodes that deal with fantasy and that take a character from the mundane world of Springfield with all of its delightful flaws into a world that's slightly removed or very much removed. And any discussion of episodes like these would be woefully incomplete without talking about El Viaje Misterioso de Nuestro Homer. Uh, which happened in season eight, was written by Ken Keeler, directed by Jim Reardon, though uh, animated in a lot of parts by David Silverman, um, and based off of an idea, again, by George Meyer, uh, who had been apparently reading Carlos Castaneda. Um, is it Castaneda or Castaneda? Anyway, the guy that writes about mysterious journeys that are helped along by drugs. Hey, Tony, will you call me at 225? Tony, call 225. Tony, please call Ken. Um, there's so much about this that was unprecedented. Um, the style of animation gets weird in a way that we haven't seen before. Um... Although we have seen um, kind of precursors to this when other people have hallucinations. We saw the yellow submarine sequence in um, Last Exit to Springfield when Lisa's in the dentist's chair. And then again in Selma's Choice, I think is the name of that episode, where... Selma takes the kids to Duff Gardens, and Lisa, again, <laughs> hallucinates after she drinks the water in the It's a Small World After All style ride. Um, so, yeah, so we have the groundwork laid there. And then, of course, we have all of the fantasy that happened in Homer the Heretic. And so by the time season eight rolls around, the team is very comfortable with flights of fancy like this. 
But here we see the extended hallucination that really kind of looks like Ralph Steadman drawings from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, definitely an homage to that. Um, and also just kind of looks like its own hallucinogenic style of Simpsons. In the beginning of the trip after Homer has made contact with his tongue on the pepper, or sorry, he made contact with his tongue and went crazy and had to drink beer and, you know, Marge got mad at him. But then after he drinks the candle wax, he's able to entirely eat the peppers that cause his hallucinations. Um, and that's when you see all of the faces drawn in Ralph Steadman come Simpsons style. Krabappel with the Charlie Brown uh, trombone voice. Um, Flanders with the ding dong dilly 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 dilly. <laughs> and he has like a thousand mouths suddenly. And Barney with the belch that you can see reverberating. But then when Homer runs away into this like strange fantasy landscape is when it gets really far out and interesting. Uh, for the first time ever, we see live film behind him just for a couple of seconds. You see clouds, sort of pink and purple clouds behind him as his pupils are going crazy and stuff. Uh... And during that sequence, we have the amazing, mind-blowing introduction of Johnny Cash as a guest voice, which I still can't believe. Like, how could they ever get somebody who was that famous, that much not known for being an actor, but who inhabited that character of the Space Coyote just so perfectly? Um, reports about the episode claim that they at first wanted to get Bob Dylan, which... I think would also have been amazing, but I don't think he would have been as good an actor at all. Um, Johnny Cash was so game, like you can tell that he's really into being the Space Coyote. This was in the 90s when he was covering Beck songs and stuff like that, uh, and really resurging in his, his hipness. And that was a good example of that, his Simpsons appearance. The Space Coyote is drawn a little bit differently from any other Simpsons animal, uh, just to kind of hammer home that it's not of the Simpsons world. If it was, it would have been drawn like that brown dog that Homer sees in real life as he's coming down. And he thinks it talks, and then it actually doesn't. I also love the tortoise, by the way, that doesn't speak, but gets PO'd because Homer kicked him. Uh, and lest we forget, the episode is not entirely comprised of that hallucination. 
the hallucination is just like a big chunk of the second act. But we have, you know, the very funny mundane shit in the beginning. Where Homer finds kicking back in the newspaper, where Marge is trying to shield him from the knowledge of the chili cook-off. And where we learn that Homer is a redoubtable judge of chili, which is very easy to believe. Everyone in the chili cook-off is there to impress Homer. Of course, of course they would be. Let him go, Ralph. He knows what he's doing. Um, it's mentioned that Ralph is uncharacteristically smart here. I think this is the last time we see Ralph make any kind of uh, cognitive links that make any sense. So the Space Coyote, voiced by Johnny Cash, has sent Homer on a quest to find his soulmate. But wait, the viewer asks, isn't that Marge? Well, is it or isn't it? And the rest of the episode is consumed with Homer's real... Uh, existential anguish over the fact that she might not be his soulmate and if she's not who who is it mo is a well-wisher in that he doesn't wish homer any specific harm and everyone else that he encounters is similarly uh non-committal about being connected to homer in a spiritual way uh until he goes to the lighthouse he believes he's going to meet the loneliest man in the world called Earl, but then Earl turns out to be an acronym for, uh, I can't remember what, but electronic lighthouse operator. And uh, predictably, Marge finds him and, of course... You realize, as you suspected in the beginning, that she is his soulmate after all. She dramatically flings himself into Homer's arms, which I always think is cute. Uh, not before changing the giant light bulb in the lighthouse so that um, <laughs> there's not a shipwreck, which is very good. Thank God she was there because Homer would not have done that. And then at the end, there's a song, a sort of non sequitur song about the hot pants, which is a perfect ending to such a bizarre and far out episode, I think. Like, how else could you end it but with a novelty song like that? Who wears short shorts? Um, although it bears mentioning that at 17 by Janice Ian is also used um, when Homer is very forlorn. And I love that. 
I remember watching that for the first time and being like, oh my god, that is so sad. And it also sort of reminds you of Homer being a teenager again and listening to songs like that. Close to you, of course, was the uh, song that ushered in his love for Marge, so... Anyway, have I gone on much, much too long about El Viaje Misterioso de Nuestro Homer? I don't care. This has been a very important Simpsons time, and thank you for listening. time through the debigulator for this week we're listening to the wanderer by u2 uh, with special guest vocals from johnny cash uh yeah the only u2 song that i still like at, at this point in my life just listening to that again i realize that um might be a little inaccurate to call the drawings Ralph Steadman uh, entirely because they're, they're Silverman's own inventions. They just sort of vaguely reminded me of Ralph Steadman, I should say. don't want to impose my own uh, brain too much on The Simpsons, too, too, too much more than I usually do. My name is Amanda Nazario, and uh, if you are interested in hearing more music and less Simpsons, you can always, always check out my archives of Nazario Scenario, wfmu.org slash playlists slash an. Okay, that'll be all. Thank you. Bye.